everyone. You're listening to The Roz Project. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. On this podcast, we discuss entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. And as always, it's 100% real, raw, and unfiltered. Today, I have a very special guest who's joining me on the podcast. In her first full year in real estate, uh, Maria closed her uh, first million-dollar deal. Uh, where she represented the buyer. That was one of the amongst 30 plus transactions uh, within that same year, giving her plenty of exposure to quickly become very knowledgeable in the field and known in the luxury market. Uh, Through these powerhouses, uh, she built a backbone of her clientele and has always welcomed all types of clients. No matter the price range uh, that she's working on, it's a tremendous pleasure uh, helping someone buy or sell their home and fulfill their dreams, uh, as Maria says. Her motto is, make a customer, not a sale. She believes in treating and advising all her clients as she would with family. Uh, being in the real estate business for many successful years, along with her charisma, positive energy, knowledge, and honesty, uh, sh- uh, she has gained many buyers and sellers and their recommendations to others that result in repeat referral business. Furthermore, with a bachelor's in criminal justice, in a minor in business, Maria is able to apply many skills from research, law, rules and regulations, as well as her strong determination and impeccable work ethic. Maria lives in Miami, where she spends her rare free time doing water activities, mindful practices such as meditation and yoga, traveling, reading books, uh, and enjoying the company of her family and friends. She's an avid philanthropist who supports various charities that include local organizations such as Miami Model Citizens, where she is an active ambassador. Holy shit. Welcome, Maria. How are you? (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Awesome, man. So thank you so much for, you know, coming on the podcast. You know, as I was reading your bio, I'm like, holy shit. I mean, this woman has done all kinds of stuff, you know, and uh, so I'm very excited to have you on, you know, to share a little bit about your story you know, you got into real estate, you know, and like, what drew you into real estate, really? I mean, was there something specific? Yeah. So um, as you, you read earlier, I was 19 and I was finishing my bachelor's in criminal justice. And at 20, I graduated with a bachelor's in criminal justice. But I realized um, at the time I was married and uh, my husband told me, you know, this is not what I want you to do for your life. I want you to uh you know, do something that's not going to put you in danger. And I always had uh, a passion for real estate. I just never uh, thought of it as, you know, I thought I'd be buying and selling for myself. I uh, didn't think of it as a career. Uh, he was an investor, is an investor. And uh, so he introduced me to the real estate as a career and I gave it a try and I just fell in love with it. I, I, I felt like it clicked with me that it was just, I was a natural at it. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I always ask this question because I'm always curious as to, you know, how people embark on what they're doing today. You know, it's, it's amazing of how things really fall into play, right? And where life drives us, uh, how we end up doing the things that we end up doing. And uh, so I was really curious about, you know, how I got into the real estate market, because obviously, you know, real estate is a, is a huge part. A lot of people are getting into it actually nowadays, because, 
it's not only a money maker, but it's as you said, you know, in your bio is that you're helping people, you know, fulfill their dreams. Maybe it's buying their first dream house, you know, that they've been saving up for years and years and years and years. And that has a huge sentimental, a huge emotional, you know, impact on a lot of people on, you know, they've been saving up. They're so excited about it. So and that's kind of like your approach really towards real estate, right? Right, right, exactly. So uh, essentially what I wanted to do when I was in the criminal justice is my biggest thing is I wanted to be able to give back, you know, and with criminal justice, you're sort of, you know, keeping the crime rate low or whatever the case. So the biggest thing for me in real estate when I got into it is I said, okay, well, you know, money to me, all right, it's money, I get it, but past money, there's got to be that passion and satisfaction that you're doing something for the community. So that's where in real estate, I said, how am I going to help the community? So like you said, um, helping people buy their home, sell their home, you know, they're, they're fir those first-time home buyers are so scared to make that move, and uh, especially those that come from different countries. Um, it's it's their life dream. I know it was mine when I came from Colombia to buy my first home, you know, and not have to pay rent. So the way I do that is I've always said, I treat my clients as if they were my own uh, family, or if it was my own investment. And um, I keep the relationship, I develop the relationship, I sell, I never sell, I don't sell. And I, mm -hmm. I advise everybody not to sell, not to push to sell. What I do is I build a relationship, I make sure that I show my value as a realtor, um, and I just offer my service however I can help others with real estate, just some advice. And that will secure the client and the customer once they are ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, something you mentioned is this, I was actually going to ask you where you were from originally. And you said Colombia because uh, I'm originally from Eastern Europe. I was born in Bulgaria and uh, my family immigrated here over 25 years ago. So uh, what's really interesting about what's so ironic about the fact that you're from Colombia is I think us immigrants kind of have that hunger and that thirst for, you know, we come to the U.S. and it's the land of the free, you know, land of uh, opportunity and freedom. And I think it's 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 that drive that hunger that really pushes us like you said you know when you came here one of your dreams was just to one day own a home you know a piece of real estate and the reality of things is you know back in colombia you probably wouldn't have had that chance correct yeah. right and um so the way i came here i I've, i was born in colombia and raised i've been here 13 years so i came at 10 years old my mother brought me and she gave up a lot of her life and her stability there her stable job to bring me here and give me a better life. So I think that is part of that hunger and drive because just like myself, that happens to a lot of people, their families give up everything to bring their children to the United States for a better future. So I've always kept my mother in mind and said, she gave it all up for me. I have to make sure that it wasn't in vain, you know, that I'm doing something and I'm making something of myself in this country so that I can give back to her everything that she gave up for me. Absolutely. And I wanted to touch upon that because, you know, obviously as a fellow immigrant, I can relate 100% to everything that, that you said. You know, um, my father risked everything he had, worked three jobs, you know, to bring uh, his family here. And uh, I think it's that, I think it was a couple of years ago or so, I read an article online that talked about the fact that over 40% of fortune companies in the U.S. were started by immigrants or children of immigrants. You know, big brands like Google, for instance, 
you know, amongst many few. And uh, I think there's, there's a certain type of grit and dedication and commitment for wanting to have something better. And it sounds like that's kind of, you know, in a way, what I think pushed you towards real estate is that you had this big vision. You've always, it sounds like you've always wanted more out of life and you found that passion and the commitment in, in the real estate game, right? Right. And, and it's also about finding that passion. I, I think most people that go to college don't end up uh, following through what they originally started as. So some people change their major once, twice, maybe even three times. Others, like myself, finish their schooling. I have my bachelor's uh, certificate mm -hmm. right there, right. but right. I never used it. And my passion, I ended up finding my passion at 20 years old, mm -hmm. um, which is real estate. Another passion of mine that I've always had as a little girl was interior designing. I just never saw that there would be money that could be made from it. Um, however, now that I'm a real estate agent, I've realized that they both go hand in hand. So I've actually started my uh, interior design schooling, and that is one of my biggest projects that I have going on right now. So I, 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 I'll be doing both. Very cool. Well, here's the question I want to ask you is uh, because I haven't really talked much about this on this podcast. Now having, you know, a fellow immigrant also, you know, on the podcast is in fact a, an absolute honor to have you on here. But let me ask you this. So you got your bachelor's in criminal justice, right? And I mean, you're talking to a guy who barely graduated high school and dropped out of college and, you know, suddenly I'm making more money than I ever thought I would because I followed a passion and something that I'm good at, right? Here's the question for you is, was it you who made the determination that you were going to go to school and get a degree or was it your family or what was it that pushed you towards that? That is such a good question. Actually, I mean, I'm sure you read the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? So all mm. of our parents have this mentality that you have to go to school. You have <laughs> to get your bachelor's. You have to be a doctor or a nurse, you know, you have to be you know what's said there a safe job that will give you money and so when i started going to school that was my mentality because i shared my parents mentality and then i started realizing you know and reading um rich that poor dad getting into books and expanding my knowledge and realizing that yes an education is good uh because it sort of gives you foundation it also shows so although it does show the fact that I can show a bachelor's it shows determination and commitment to get through mm -hmm. the four years and get that done because it's not easy and with this new era of entrepreneurs everybody's choosing to just drop out and become an entrepreneur without even thinking okay what is an entrepreneur and what does it really mean because it's harder than just you know pursuing some some sure. career uh, so my, that mindset did change for me from what my parents thought of going to school and whatnot to, okay, I went to school. I did want to get it done just because I would be, I was my first family, the first person in my family to get a bachelor's done in the United States. So that was a huge accomplishment. I wanted to go ahead and do the master's, but that's when my mentality changed. And I said, well, I don't need all this education in order to pursue my new passion and the career that I'm going to do. And in order to make money, you don't need it but it's good to have it. Yeah. Well, you kind of, so a couple of things. Uh, the reason I asked you this question is because I can 100% relate to what you just said. You know, I would have been the first in my entire family to get a college degree. It would have been a big deal. Right. And when that didn't happen, it was kind of like, wah, wah, wah. Did you fucking fail Ivan completely? 
like literally that was sort of the impression that I gotten from my family because I felt like I let them down. But you said something that needs to be a key takeaway in this episode is this that you should not live a life of what others anticipate of you. And even if it's your family, because you're living your own life, you have your own passions, you have your own interests. And yes, it's great. It does show, by the way, congratulations. It shows the commitment, the grit, the resilience that you went through that. But at the end of the day, you also came to the realization that, you know, this is the life that my parents wanted for me. It's not the life that I want for me. It's an expectation that they had, not an expectation that I had for myself. And that is a key point. And if I can add to that, um, actually, I had a conversation with my mother the other day. It was a heart-on-heart conversation where she said to me, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry for what? And she said, we're not born ready to be parents. Nobody teaches us how to be parents. So all we do is sort of pass on what our parents taught us, and then we do the same to all ch- our children. So if we come from a generation where it's like it's safe to go to school and have a safe job and keep being this robotic, you know, person mm-hmm. that's all they know how to do so us you know this new the millennials per se or this new era that's that's so open-minded to to diversify and not uh strictly following that it's it's within us to change that mindset for our parents too so she's seen my uh success without having to necessarily follow that and she has apologized to me because i have taken care of changing her mindset and i think that is so important and that's how we start making a difference going forward yeah that's a really good point you know um what you just mentioned right there is just that I think the older generations, the baby boomers, you know, have been so dead set in the way that they live because that's how they've been taught. That's all they know, you know, and what you just said right there actually kind of reminds me of the fact that, you know, even though my father's an entrepreneur and also has a business is just that that's how he was raised, you know, with a very limited mindset and a very safe mindset to where there was zero risk involved. And let's face it, there is everything, everything but security and entrepreneurship. It's all risk every single day. And I think the millennials and even some of the younger generations are really realizing how much opportunity there is out there in the world. And they're not afraid to seize it. They're not afraid to be more expressive, you know, and chase it. So it's really interesting you said that. And I think it's really big, actually, of your mother that actually she was conscious of that, that, you know, she understood that, hey, you know what, what she's been preaching onto you and the expectations she had created upon you was a very outdated mentality. And it's just not how the world operates nowadays. And that has a lot to do with being relevant to the world, being relevant to the marketplace. Because as we know, if you're relevant, then you're out of business, right? You're, you're, you're done. Um, So, I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit for for a second here. So, you know, in a, at first you didn't really have much support. It sounds like from family. They wanted you to go to school. You know, they wanted you to get an education. So, how did you how did you arrive at this mind shift of okay, I'm going to finish my degree, but then I'm going to do real estate? Like, what was going through your head that really kind of pushed you over that that hump? To be honest with you, it had a lot to do with my ex-husband and uh, I, I'll forever be grateful for that because he pushed that upon me. He, I, also, I, I sort of was given an ultimatum and mm-hmm. uh, to me, uh, up until, you know, before I got a divorce, 
family the most important thing to me aside of it so let me let me backtrack a little bit uh since i was a little girl i've always been a hustler i've always hustled and have been successful at whatever it is that i put my mind into so whether it was just simply being a server or a bartender at a nice restaurant i was excelling and making top dollar as much as i could whatever the case was so i've never been uh, afraid of not making money i've never been afraid of failing work-wise um and financially my biggest thing was always my goal and actually i can show you right here my vision board oh wow <laughs> i have a vision board and it's a lot of it i mean i have what i want to make this year certain things about work but most of it is about family so i've always wanted to at a young age get married have kids and start my family um, and that was the biggest thing when i got married i always said all right money is going to come because i'm just I just success comes right as long as you work hard success will come but mm -hmm. the biggest thing that i want to work for is the family and he said to me well if you want a family you can't do that while being in the criminal justice field being an fbi agent you know being out at three in the morning putting your life at risk so it was sort of an ultimatum that he was giving me but for my own good and at the same time he wasn't saying which i know a lot of my my females are going to be like oh my god the guy's giving you an ultimatum you know but, but here's the thing and here's something that we women don't have to understand I mean have to understand and it's that he, he wasn't giving me an ultimatum he was giving me an option an, another route that I could take he didn't just say listen mm -hmm. I need you to quit your job and just be a housewife and get pregnant and be barefoot no he was telling me why don't you try this so I was open-minded and I said well yeah I want to put my family first let me try this and I ended up trying it and I fell in love with it and I love it and we're divorced now he's his way and my way and I've continued to work it and I've become a top producer on it it's what I love I live breathe eat sleep real estate I apply for myself so also for example I just last end of last year I bought um a new house. Uh, it's a four bedroom, single family. I bought it for a really good price. Um, it appraised like $50,000 more than what I paid for. I'm mm -hmm. going through renovations right now. Uh, I don't know whether I want to live in it. I want to sell it. I want to rent it and make an income off of it. Not sure yet, but whatever route I take, I know that it was a, it was a smart decision financially. So I, I, I practice what I preach, everything that I talk about and I tell my clients, I am doing it for myself. I'm currently undergoing construction right now with an investment property, which is essentially where I'm going to live for now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's also so important because people see that I share all of that on social media and people see I practice what I preach. I'm doing uh, I'm applying my work, my career into my own life as well. Yeah. You know, a couple of things you mentioned there that I wanted to extrapolate. You know, you, you, you seem to be very driven, very focused on what you want. And I think that's very important uh, just in life to get the things that you want. Something that you mentioned also that I can relate to is having married for a second time is I think that, you know, in this day and age, it's very easy to outgrow each other. Um, simply because the way that uh, the society is and, and, you know, when I first moved to the U.S. is this that, you know, I became aware of the fact that, you know, this is a country that has over 60 percent divorce rate. And at first I was like, OK, you know, my parents have been married for almost 40 years now. Like, what the fuck? You know, like, how am I going to bear this? This is this is unusual. Right. Like, it's completely different. 
And, um, you know, now being married for a second time, I've come to realize that it's just, you know, people just outgrow each other. You know, we just, we, we, we evolve. And I think in some way, based on what you were saying with your, with your first husband is, is that, you know, you seem like you knew what you wanted in the beginning, but then, you know, your interests changed. So you kind of pivoted towards, okay, well, my interests changed. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges, I think, from a relationship standpoint is to be able to grow with your significant other and then be supportive of your interests. You know, because um, I'll tell you this, you know, I've been with my second wife for nine years now, coming up on our wow. sixth wedding anniversary. Congratulations. And, Thank you. And, you know, we have two beautiful kids and, and, and I love my family, but I'll tell you this, you know, I just turned 40 years old a couple of days ago and, you know, in my birthday card, she said, uh, you drive me crazy sometimes, but I wouldn't have it any other way because, but that's just it is, you know, I admire your tenacity and the fact that you're so committed and resilient and focused on what you want. That's important in entrepreneurship. And one thing that you mentioned with your first marriage is that at least what I've lear learned is if someone gives you an ultimatum and says that you either do this or we separate, basically like, you know, your first husband said, okay, well, we either have a family and you become a stay-at-home mom, right? And you put your dreams on hold, you know, that's not a feasible approach because the person at least from what I've learned from a partnership standpoint, is this that the person that, you w that you're with should 100% support and encourage you, no matter what, and say, okay, you go out there, you know, and help you grow and evolve. And I think that's why personally with my second marriage, you know, things have worked is because even though my second wife is an introvert, I'm an extrovert, we just find a mutual ground. And so, you know, what you were just saying right there is, is, first of all, I think it's really important to chase your dreams. And I think that's what you're doing. You know, it's extremely important because regret is one of the worst feelings in the world. You know, when you get to be 70, 80, 90 years old and you're on your deathbed and you look back at your, at your life, right? What's going to come through your mind, right? What have I accomplished? What did I feel happy about? Did I go out there every day knowing that I'm happy? Did I practice gratitude? Did I do the things that I wanted to do? And I will tell you this, at least from a family standpoint, I've talked to some older people and the very first thing say, they, they'll say, I wish I was your age. I'm like, why? You know, well, you can speak the language, you're younger, you've got more opportunity. So I think personally, you have taken the best course of action and best route to do the things that matter to you most, which is real estate. And, you know, that's very hard to fathom. That's why I wanted to elaborate upon this is because, like you said, you know, with your mom specifically is, you know, she was raised under a certain mentality, like, you know, getting married and having kids and having a family and working a regular job. And in this day and age, none of that makes any sense <laughs> whatsoever, right. you know, because people are so pursuant of their goals and dreams, right? So, one thing that I wanted to ask you, because this is something I'm curious about personally. So you're in the real estate market in Miami, correct? Yes. So how is the Miami real estate market? Let's talk a little, a little bit about that. Like what do people look for in Miami? Because that's a very exotic area, right? A very touristy area. It's globally known. You know, what's it yeah. like 
So, so before I answer your question, I did want to go back and, and say uh, about what you talked about and uh, growing apart as partners. I think uh, we, we didn't grow apart. Um, actually, he was very much um, into, he was an investor. So to him, me being a real estate agent worked because we both traveled together and, and, and it just worked out. But it was limited to how much he wanted me to do. So he wanted me to stay within a certain comfort zone of real estate and not go out there and uh, I don't know, network with other people, particularly men or things like that, that will allow me to excel my career. Um, and I think that is very important. And so uh, growing apart, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I, and, and I appreciate what, what you're saying as far as, because it's true. And I feel like everything happens for a reason and everybody comes into your life for a reason. So his, his reasoning for coming into my life was to introduce me to real estate. I learned a lot from him. I'm thankful for him and what we shared. Uh, and then we keep moving forward. Um, as far as your question on uh, real estate, so in Miami, uh, what are people looking for? Well, it depends. The thing, the thing with our market here in Miami is everybody and their mothers is a real estate agent. Now, there's a difference between a producing real estate agent and just another person with a license. And um, I've come to realize, and this is, this is something I've never mentioned, so it'll be great to have it here on your on your podcast. I find it really funny going through uh, realtors' Instagrams, and they they say luxury real estate market. That's what mm -hmm. they focus on, luxury real estate. And I get it. There's a lot of realtors that only focus on luxury real estate. They've been around for years, you know. The, five plus years, 10 years. So they've got the niche, they got the people. That is amazing. They're making like, you know, $10 million volume and sales. I get that. But you know, for a lot of those that are just starting out and then they put luxury real estate. Right. Uh, it, cr it cracks me up because you never start there. I was fortunate to close on my first year, a million dollar deal, but that doesn't mean the rest of my deals were like that. So going back to your question, uh, the Miami market is uh, varies. There's a lot of luxury, uh, high-end real estate, but then there's mm. a lot just regular families, typically immigrants, you know, so the places that the, the, the most uh, so New York, Miami, for example, Texas, those are, the biggest states where immigrants come straight from their country to here. So Miami being one of them, the Miami market is a lot of families, you know, there's areas that is just single family homes. They are staying within their means, nothing crazy. So you have that market. I work it. I work anything. You know, I do not discriminate. I don't believe in that. Um, and then you have the high end waterfront condos, mm -hmm. uh, the the houses so so there is i, I can't really there isn't one specific market mm -hmm. uh, in the miami area we have it we have it all miami's very big that's the other thing a lot of people just say hey so where do you live miami well what part of miami miami's like almost the whole state <laughs> yeah no that's you know? true i and the reason i ask this because um I, i've only been to miami once and actually take that back twice uh in recency it was the last time a couple of years ago and um you're absolutely right it's a it's a ginormous city you know but you know there's so much you know to miami and that's why i asked you know what the market's like because you know uh there's a lot of different demand you know in miami and i because i remember you know being in miami is i've seen a lot of high rises you know and especially when you get to beachfront right and seeing some of the 
you know, best real estate probably in the world, you know. We actually have a building um, that just uh, finished, I believe, end of last year. It's called the 1000 Museum, and it was done by Saha Hadid. She is a uh, architect from Dubai who died in the middle of the project. So Miami is the home to her one and only skyscraper. Um, this oh, wow. is also, yeah, this is also a building that at the top has a helipad, so people can, you know, land in their airport, be picked up by the by the helicopter, and arrive at the helipad and just go downstairs to their home. These condos are starting at about six million dollars. Uh, beautiful architecture, beautiful design. If you know, I don't know if you know Saha Hadid, but she doesn't believe in straight lines. She didn't believe in straight lines, everything. So the building itself, it's an exoskeleton in the outside. So the inside of the property doesn't have the columns. It doesn't need it mm-hmm. because it was done in the outside. It's beautiful. So Miami does have a lot of uh, crazy um, architecture, high-end real estate. However, we are coming to a point right now within the market that uh, there's too much inventory and not enough demand. There's way too many buildings going up. So right behind that one, there's the the uh, Paramount. Um, and then there's another one coming up, Ashton Martin building. I mean, there's just so much going up and it's not an, it's not enough uh, demand for it. So the housing, the, the condo market has dropped significantly. Uh, right mm-hmm. now. I, I see it going up again in a few years, but not right now because there's just so much uh, inventory and, and, and not enough people wanting to buy condos, particularly because most of the the buyers that would come buy these condos would be people from Brazil, Venezuela, uh, that would come in and invest their money that they have over there here. And uh, with the laws changing with the Trump administration, that's not something you can, you know, easily mm-hmm. do anymore. So that has affected the market as well. Sure. So how, just to ask you, how long have you been doing uh, the real estate now? So I started at uh, 20. So I've been, uh, uh, started at like 19. So it's going to be three and a half years, almost four years doing real estate. Oh my God. So you, the reason <laughs> I asked is this, you're, you're so young to probably most of the real estate people and you already have all this wealth of knowledge. And I was just curious, you know, of how long you've been doing this. You know, the one thing I wanted to ask actually is, you know, you've been doing this for, you know, three, four years now, very young still, you know, in the game, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, other entrepreneurs or other real estate uh, people who are interested in getting into the real estate space, you know, especially at your age? Uh, so the biggest advice I would give others that are at my similar age would be um, to, to, to just keep professional, keep professional, because what happens is, and you see it with a lot of realtors, they start getting comfortable and all of a sudden they're showing up with flip-flops to it showing uh, to, to a listing or whatever the case. And one of my biggest things and why I differ from others is the way I behave and the way I dress. I keep mm-hmm. it very professional, no matter what clientele it is, I, I keep it professional. Um, and then also just make sure you know what you're talking about. So I have a team of realtors that I work with. They're my own. Uh, it's my own team. It's my own realtors. And they're all very young. They're my age. Actually, some are a little older than me. So it's sort of weird mm-hmm. uh, because they they, they, have to, they look up to me, but they're, they're a little, little older. And um, a lot of the, um, uh, so, so I tell my realtors, become familiar with the market, become knowledgeable with the buildings that are out there. And that way, 
you know what you're talking about. You can engage in a conversation with, with somebody that's older and sound like you know what you're talking about. And I also say, and if you don't know, be honest and say, I don't know, but I will find out. Uh, that's a lot of, I mean, people catch bullshit. Buyers, sellers, they, they catch bullshit. They see it when you're lying. When you don't know something, it's better off just saying, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. And I've had to use that before. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way you can know everything and that's okay. And people know that. And what they do appreciate is honesty when you say, I don't know, but I will find out for you. Um, so that would be one of the, the, the second advice I would give uh, an agent that, or, or somebody starting out that is uh, young. Okay. Very cool. Well, I, you know, I've absolutely enjoyed the, the conversation. It sounds like, you know, everything is going great on your end. You're very passionate about what you do. Very, very committed. You know, uh, in closing, you know, uh, how can people find you out there in social media? Like, what's the best way to connect with you? So on social media, you can, follow, you can find me on Instagram with Maria Camilla underscore Miami. Uh, there, you can also check out my website. It is macabbyrealestate.com. And if you go to the about me on that website, you will get my Twitter, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, um, my email, my phone number, everything's there. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, Maria, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and talking about, you know, the real estate and everything that, that you're doing. I wish you all the best and everything that you're doing. And again, thank you uh, for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.